Welcome to the Odd Dad Out Podcast, where normal is not my specialty. I am your host, as always, the King Oddball himself, Adam Higgins. And this is a show where I ramble and rant and tell you about all the shit going on in my head, in my life, and my everything. And I'm going to tell you now, you know what? I'm dropping the news. I'm just going to do it. Get that out of the way. But I also tell you about some podcasts that I'm into and I think you should be listening to too. Because like I always say, sharing is caring. And I realize that that is a trademarked saying and that's why I haven't put it on a t-shirt yet. But, you know. (laughs) Okay, I'm vamping because I didn't want to go back and, and trim the music. Sue me. So, how are you? I hope you're doing well. I hope you're doing okay with my extended time between episodes right now while I'm getting back in the groove of things and working around school schedules. You know, we got into a lot of that on the last episode, all of the headache that is. So I wanted to kind of finish the the catch up that I was doing last week that I got so sidetracked by my whole thumb incident. And incidentally, uh, update on my thumb. I'm, I'm pretty much healed up now. It's, I mean, it's been what it's God. Yeah. What? I can't tell time. It is. We're God. It's almost been a month. I can't believe it. Thinking about it. It's holy shit. I'm sitting here thinking, Oh, it's been like two weeks. It's like, no, it's actually been like a month. Holy shit. But yeah, damn. But my thumb is for the most part healed up. It's, it's a little flatter than, you know, the rest of my thumb on that one side. It's still a little sensitive, but I'll I'll say that's my fault because you know that whenever you get, and ladies may not be as common for you as it is for guys, but whenever you get kind of the built up skin in the corner of your nails and you tend to just kind of chew on it and kind of go on and you know, it doesn't quite come off and you're going to try and tear it or play and you're a character and you're trying to tear it and you end up ripping the skin and it tears. And well, I was doing that because I'm stupid, you know, because even when you have a big friggin' thing on your thumb and you're doing that, you still are stupid and end up peeling back the skin on your thumb. So you end up with, you know, no skin on the tip of your finger for a while. That is more of my problem right now. My thumb is really super sensitive right now because I've, I don't have any, it's kind of growing that back and trying to do that while, you know, healing from slicey slicey. Yeah, not smart because sometimes I'm just not smart, but my thumb's doing a lot better. I've, you know, other than a little bit of sensitivity in like right there at the like center mass of where the cut was, I'm for the most part, I can, I can function again. You know, I can, I can put my phone back in its correct pocket. I can reach for my wallet. So I'm, I'm like 90% back up with my thumb. And I'm really, I'm really happy. It doesn't, if you don't look at it really closely at this point, you can't actually tell really like it looks like just my thumb is a lumpy. So yay. I, I think it'll probably be like a full recovery and all that. And maybe I won't have to relearn how to hold a guitar pick. 
That'll be nice. But as I was saying, I, I want to kind of catch up and get the, the review of the stuff from last year and all the stuff that you missed. Granted, it's not going to be all the stuff that you missed because, let's face it, I could go on for hours and hours and hours and get even, I mean, how long do I spend talking about my garden? Seriously? And that's, that's a huge part of the time. Uh, my, my garden takes up a huge part of time of stuff and bullshit I can talk about for, like, I can, I mean, I have, I say I could do whole episodes about my garden. I, I kind of have, but I, I, you know, with all, I could devote entire episodes to each of the different things, like major events that happened during my hiatus, but that feels, that feels like I'm just kind of like stretching it out, like just milking it for content. And if you've listened to the show for any amount of time, you know that for the most part, because of the kind of what's going on in my brain right now, uh, free flow of thought, train of thought off the tracks sort of nature of this show, I, it's very much front of mind, uh, current event stories type things. I don't like digging back into going back into six months ago and this thing that happened. No, I don't like doing that. It's, it's what's going on now at the time of recording what's in my brain, what's front of mind. And so I just want to get the review done and out of the way, mostly because I wrote up a whole fucking blog post about it and have all the show notes written. And goddamn it, I'm not going to sit here and waste my time. <laughs> Because I spent so much time putting together these these full show notes that had the news in it that I already mentioned. I'm dropping the news. It's just too damn much work to keep up with. And if I'm going to be doing the work for, you know, wanting to write complete show notes and 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 more blog posts and all this stuff, scrounging the news and doing really in-depth show notes for the news, it's just more work than I have time for. That's it. You know, I've got time to write a review. I've got time to do write a good segment and you know write up good show notes to try and prep for the show. I don't have time to do all that and hunt for the news and write those news clips into the show notes. It's just so damn much work. I just I, I can't do it anymore. And it's and really I'll, I'll say this and I the only piece of feedback I got from last show when I said hey what do you want me to do. Um, do you want me to go and keep on with the news? Do you want me to drop segments? Cause I never asked and all that stuff. The only piece of feedback that I actually got was actually a text to the odd dad out line, which I told you, you can text me or leave a voicemail. It's 516-636-7631. Get that out of the way. Bookmark it. I don't know, but it came from awesome listener Tori and you are extra awesome for leaving a text message for me and saying, uh, I'm glad you're back. I really like your podcast and enjoy the random ramblings and left a podcast recommendation of me and Paranormal You, which I have actually been checking out. A quick rundown of that one. It is very much in the vein of uh, Coast to Coast and that style of radio show. Uh, kind of the Art Bell sort of paranormal weirdo type stuff. Very woo. Um just kind of my quick rundown of that. And, but yeah, I've been checking that out. Thank you again, Tori. And you, 
I said, I, I, and I texted Tori back and said, thank you. And lots of other stuff that I'm not going to read my own messages to somebody else, but you can, I, I can talk about you too. I, I got a side track of the spiel, but, uh, in, in all of this, you know, I realized I'm just, it's so much work doing the damn news and it's so much easier for me. And this is my, my comfort zone in the show is this part is the part where I'm just, I'm riffing and I'm just, I'm doing the thing that I'm better at in podcasting than most people. And I, I don't want to say this. It sounds egotistical, but I can riff and I can sit there and talk to the void. You, you're right there. You're listening. You're the void. I can listen. I can sit and talk to the void better than I can talk to somebody else. So I, I, I don't need a, another person to riff off of. And so this is what I do. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to focus on this. I think I'm going to focus on this. And I'm going to be giving my, the podcast recommendations and hopefully I'll be able to get out of this, uh, you know, house cleaning or upkeep or updates or whatever, what do you want to call this, uh, segment that I keep drifting back into and get on with the actual updates that I've been telling you, I've been wanting to talk about. So let's just jump back to God, where were we? We talked about on the last show, we kind of got into all the, the BS going on with the schools and the school schedule and all this stuff. And my boys still have uh, two more weeks. I think they moved us out. We're on full-time distance learning through the end of January. And hopefully in the beginning of February, they're supposed to go back to the hybrid where they're two days on, two days off and doing that. And so that's kind of a update there. There, We just got our email saying it's time to register for next year. And they're they're right now they're planning on back open to full regular schedule with a full five day schedule and all, you know, K through eight, everybody's on campus, you know, sports and everything are back. As of right now, their plan for next year is everything back to full capacity on campus. We'll see how that goes because, you know, government intervention in schools being what it is, you never know what's going to happen. So we'll see. Granted, that's, you know, that's almost a year away. I mean, that's after the summer. That's, that's what, nine months from now. We'll, we'll see where we are in nine months. We said nine months ago. Okay. <laughs> I keep going back there. It's, uh, but let's see. I've got to pull up my show notes. That's actually what I have to do. I have to pull up the notes I made. Holy shit. I made notes. Um, so. I know I talked about the garden last time and it kind of got in, which veered into a slicey, slicey story, but I kind of want to just give like more of a, another quick update. I know I talked about how, you know, we planted our fall garden and we were having all this success with cucumbers and we we're making pickles. And I don't remember if I told you that a couple like a week or so ago, I actually went and cut and picked all the last of the cucumbers and pulled out those, the rest of the, those plants and kind of we're getting ready to prep that bed for the spring. And right now I'm going to have to like super, I'm going to have to add tons of fertilizer and compost and lots of, or other nutrients and stuff 
with is because that same bed without much modification has had pumpkins in it twice. It's had cucumbers. Um, we've had, there's something else. We, we've grown a ton of stuff in that bed since we've put it there. And then soil's getting kind of tapped out. So I need to add a, I need to add a lot of fertilizer and, and amendments to that soil to really beef it up for our next round in the spring. Cause there's a whole new, we've got a whole new plan of everything we're going to do. I think we're going to move the tomatoes into another area. Um, we still currently in that bed have green onions, garlic. I think I have two or three garlic plants in that bed and popcorn. I don't remember if I mentioned that, but we're actually growing popcorn right now. And my wife found a, a variety called, uh, glass bead. I believe it's glass bead. Um, popcorn. And if you've ever seen these, uh, this variety of popcorn, the kernels are very, very shiny and lots and lots of bright colors. And so you'll have these like bright blue and red and purple and orange, uh, uh, popcorn kernels that are super shiny and very glass beady. And it's a very fitting, uh, description and name for this. And so we've got a bunch of that. And the thing about corn, I didn't know. And nobody tells you when you grow corn because there's when you're when you're looking up information on how to grow plants, there's tons of information on how to grow lots of things. There really isn't a lot of information about being a home gardener with like raised beds and growing corn. Most of the stuff for growing corn is you grow a field of corn, not I'm growing like three plants in a box. They don't tell you that. So we had started with three corn kernels, one, two, three, in three little spots. And we gave them lots of space because we know corn can get pretty big. And what we didn't know is that each of those, you know, the stock, the main stock comes up, but then they started, and to be fair, like every other plant started kind of having offshoots and side shoots. And the next thing we know, each of those main corn stalks that we planted that we expected, okay, one corn goes in, one great big stalk comes up, and then we have a big corn stalk and we're going to get corn from that. Each one that we planted now has five stalks coming off of it. So three little popcorn seeds has turned into 15 stalks of corn, which are now in the seven to eight foot range. And we have a 10 foot wall that it's sitting against. And so we're slightly concerned that it's going to get above the wall before it's possibly harvest time. But we're super excited because in the last week, we're finally starting to see the beginnings of the ears coming up. And we, we were like, okay, well, how do you know when you're getting corn? And it's not just, you know, growing and growing and growing. And we're like, okay, well, and we see a thing when you start seeing these things sneaking up kind of like it looks like between the different kind of fronds, I wouldn't even call them leaves because I mean, corn isn't really, it's not a tree. It's like, it's a grass technically, it's a grain. And so like between the, the individual leaf, whatever's, um, you'll see the little, uh, the husks, the silks, the tops of the things start peeking out and you'll see that. And that's those where your corn is. Or like we started seeing, I think I've got six or seven that I found caught this week that we're super excited we're like yes we're gonna have corn so we're super excited for corn if it makes it because we don't know i mean 
The thing about Arizona winters is they could be really mild. Like we've had this year so far. We haven't really had any hard freezes, which is great for a garden. Weird in a general sense, because I don't, we've had a couple nights into the upper thirties, nothing like really, really freezing. We haven't had any hard freezes, which has been great, you know, crossing our fingers not to kill our garden, but you know, you kind of base your gardening around freeze, but February is really when it gets really cold here. So I'm, I'm not holding my breath for it to end. I'm, I'm expecting it. We're going to get a freeze here in a month or so, whatever weather time's over, but we're really, you know, we're hoping we're getting, we'll get a corn harvest because it's just cool that we grow our own popcorn and we'll probably save some to plant later, even though we still have a ton that we could plant, but we're planning also to plant sweet corn in the spring. And that is supposed to go in the other bed where the peppers. And I think we might actually put it where we have the tomatoes right now because we're planning on taking the tomatoes out of there, like I said, and moving over into the other bed where the cucumbers and all that. We're still going to plant another round of cucumbers and some more uh, stuff like that. And I think we're going to do cantaloupes coming up in the spring. So we got all our whole spring garden plan coming up, which I'll probably talk about more as we get closer to that. But we're doing all this stuff and we're, you know, planning and plotting. And I've finally put in carrots and I finally have a batch of carrots that are doing well. The carrots that I have planted in this last round, I think I've tried planting carrots like five or six times. This is the first time where I've got like real stems and growth. And I'm actually seeing like the signs that my carrot plants are actually growing and I might get, it looks like maybe a half a dozen carrots. I'm, you know, I, I wasn't expecting a ton, but I, I might get maybe six or seven carrots if it look, if it stays kind of the way it is. One is success for me because like realistically, when I've tried like five or six times to grow carrots and it's so far been a big zero, I'm, I'm excited for my carrots. <laughs> I'm, I'm super excited for my carrots right now every day. But, you know, we're gearing up to, to pick the last of the tomatoes. I'm probably, I got to go in and cut down all of my lettuce and figure out what I'm going to do with the like eight heads of lettuce I have back there right now. Uh, we've got a handful of peppers, but it's really, I'm just going to get to, you know, end of winter. Uh, harvesting, get everything rounded up so I can flip the gardens and turn everything into new gardens for the spring so we can get ready on, get on that because, and I still, you know, I'm sitting here with, I think I have five or six, uh, heads of garlic that are in the ground that still won't be ready. My understanding, they won't be ready until like the mid spring. Like you gotta, man, garlic takes forever. Carrots take forever too, but I know, I've, I've got a bunch of green onions that I'm I'm looking forward to. I'm I'm I don't know what I'm going to do with them. I'm thinking I might take them and uh, you know be cheap and hey sour cream and chop some fresh chives in there and dip, or mix them in, use them with some butter and a steak. I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to do with all those green onions I've got, but they're doing great now. I'm super excited just seeing them because the stems on my green onions are thicker than my garlics right now. And my garlics have been in there for months and months and months and months and months. It's just so crazy seeing how much bigger plants get than their seeds. That's always, that's been something so crazy to me 
in my gardening journey here. But moving on from the garden. So if, if you're a, a longtime listener, you know that every summer, my family and I, we all take a trip back to visit our family in South Texas because that's where my wife is from and her parents are still there and my dad and my brothers are still there. And so we go back, we visit family every summer. Well, you know, because the world is a mess, uh, we weren't able to go back, you know, at the time where we were trying to go in July. And I think I talked about this back in July. Um, cases were spiking here in Arizona and in Texas. There were kind of some travel restrictions. It was, it was going to be messy. You know, we're still kind of in a, a overall world state of we don't know a lot yet. It could be all right. We don't know a lot yet. So we're going to, uh, take it. We're going to, we're going to play it safe and we're, we're going to delay our trip. We delayed until October because we knew the boys had a second vacation. They had like a, they have a fall break in October. And so we're like, okay, after fall break, we'll go during fall break. No big deal. We might, it's going to be a, a couple of days shorter because, you know, it's in the school year. We got to be back for, you know, earlier time, whatever. Not a big deal. Time gets closer. Time gets closer. We're like, we we can't go. Both because you know, the world's still kind of crazy. We knew a lot more by October. We knew a lot more going about the whole, you know, pandemic situation. But Financially speaking, we actually were in a tighter position where we weren't sure we were going to be able to afford the trip. And we had some stuff happen financially where, and, and it's, and it's, you know, kind of worked itself out now. But at the time, we'd gotten some news that we were like, financial strain kind of kicked us right then. And we're like, we don't know if we're going to be what our financial situation is going to be in a few in the next few months, which again, that's all worked itself out. But at the time, we were in kind of a panic mode. And so we decided to cancel our big trip. Well, that also meant that for the most part, my wife and kids have not left the house by that point. They hadn't left the house since March. They'd gone to my, we'd gone to my sister's house once, maybe twice in the entire time. That's it. They hadn't left other than for like doctor's appointments. The boys hadn't left. My wife hadn't left. She's been home. She'd been working from home since March, I think. Um, and that's at this point, I believe going to continue indefinitely. Um, so it's, it's been, you know, tricky. And so what we ended up doing just as a, we need to get out. We need to get out of the house. You know, I, I still go to work. It, it, again, I've, I've said this before in the, in the grand scheme of things, pandemic life hasn't affected me too much. I still go to work. My job is, you know, I work in commercial cleaning. My job is a nest. It's not an essential function. Like, you know, this type of job or that type of job. My job is cleaning buildings. My job is cleaning offices. My job is to go in and part of our job now is, and I've mentioned this before, is uh, uh, sanitizing and disinfecting buildings. 
so that when you, other person who has to go to work in an office, goes to your office, you know your office is clean. That's what we do. And you know, we, our job is to disinfect your offices so it's a safe environment for you to go back to. Well, I've been working. It hasn't affected me much. Minus, you know, usual holiday slowdown and stuff like that because, you know, offices close at the holidays, blah, 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 blah. But everybody else has been cooped up at home and everyone was, you know, to say everybody was had cabin fever is putting it mildly. Everybody was just biting each other's heads off. No, every, no patience, anybody. And so we decided we need to get out. We need to get out. We need to spend some time away from the house. Everybody needs to get out of the house. We need some sort of a vacation time because we just lost nine days in Texas that we normally, you know, we're on the road for such a long time. We get to go to all these shops, all these different things we do, you know, going to the aquarium, seeing all the stuff that we always do as part of our vacation. None of that got done. We've just been home. The boys have just been home. They're bored. They're tired of it. So we're like, you know what? Here's what we can do. Our cure for cabin fever was to rent a cabin. Because <laughs> we like those sort of silly sort of things. So we ended up renting a cabin up in uh, northern Arizona at uh, it's, uh, Hi- nah, it's a Lyman Lake in, in northern Arizona. It's still about five hours. It's a five-hour drive up into the mountains and forests of northern Arizona. And, you know, it's this is October, so it's late fall. But this is northern Arizona, where this is very close to Colorado. So the environment there, very different than down here in the valley, where it was like 85, 90 degrees at home while we were on this vacation. But we go up to this cabin and the overnight lows were in the 20s and like 28 to 30-ish overnights. And we rented this really quaint little cabin. It's like a two-room cabin. There's like a little bedroom in the back with a couple of bunk beds for the boys. And then there's a queen-size bed in the front room. And there's an air conditioner and a table. And it's more like a a counter. That's the cabin. Very well insulated. 100%. I will tell you, it's very well insulated. We were completely unaware that it was freezing balls outside. <laughs> it was fucking cold. Huh. And I know this because of having to get up and go walk dog at like three in the morning. But notice I didn't mention there's a bathroom in there because there's not. The cabin's because this is a, it was on a state park. So there was like campgrounds for tent camping and RV camping and all this stuff. Well, there were also a handful of cabins of various sizes. And the bathrooms were across a field from us. We were actually relatively close. I think our cabin was actually the closest cabin to the bathrooms. But we basically had to walk between the little solar lamps in the middle of open desert area along this little lit path of solar lamps stuck in the dirt to get to the bathrooms, which were again fully lit and everything. And there was parking if I ever, if I was feeling so inclined to get in the van and drive all the way over 
It would actually have taken me longer to drive over to the bathroom than just walk across the friggin' dirt. But again, this is the Arizona desert, and I'm walking across basically open desert space in the middle of the night. There could have been a snake. There could have been tons of snakes or tarantulas or scorpions or anything. No fucking clue. But we bought a ton of, we, we just went all out. We're like, we're fucking camping, damn it. <laughs> and because, you know, the, the cabin, there's mattresses and there's bunk beds, but there aren't any, there isn't any bedding. So you're supposed to bring your own bedding. We're like, you know what? Screw it. We'll just bring uh, sleeping bags for the boys. And we'll get these little uh, individual kind of suitcases, pouches for them. So they have their little pouch for their, all of their clothes. And when they're in bed, they can have used that as their pillow, just kind of their bag of clothes for their pillow. And they've got their sleeping bags and their bunk bed. Cool. And we got a couple of sleeping bags for us. And for the sake of everything, we got adult sleeping bags for everybody so that the boys will never grow out of them. Because wouldn't it suck if you go and, and buy a bunch of kid sized sleeping bags and then in two years your kids outgrew them and like, well, shit, now you got to buy new sleeping bags. So we just got adult size sleeping bags for everybody. We got some lanterns because again, we're in the middle of the fucking dark and I'll, uh, you know, sidebar to we're up in the middle of fucking nowhere. Middle of nowhere. The nearest town is 10 minutes outside the park. It is like 10 minutes up the road. It is a teeny tiny little town with like, you know, this is a Ace Hardware and neighborhood gas station kind of town. Not much in this town. You know, like when I had to fill up the van before we got out of town, because you have to fill up in that town because the next gas is like an hour away. But you got to fill up there. This is this town is so old. You still have to lift the little handle on the gas pump. That's how far. That's how old this town is. How, you know, and so it's like that. But when you're out there in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of this state park outside this lake, there's no light pollution. There's no anything. There's no noise. There's no light pollution. You go, you sit out on the front porch of the cabin and you can look. It's just silent. At all the other campsites, all the other cabins, everybody keeps their noise down. I mean, there's, there's, you know, a, a lights out noise violation hey after this time everything you know you know lights out kind of stuff but you can look up straight and see everything and the boys had never seen the sky like that and just sat up at night watching the sky and just were amazed just looking up at the sky and you know this was this whole, and we were there for three days and it was, you know, this was an experience where we immediately were like, this is it. This is what we are going to do. This is going to be a regular thing for us. Whether, you know, we go on our vacation back to Texas, what Texas, whatever we do, this is going to be a thing in the spring and fall. This is going to be our, we're going to go, it's, it's not camping, camping. It's like, but we're going to go camping. We're going to go and rent our cabin and because part of this experience was also that, again, what did I describe this cabin as? It's basically two rooms with some beds and a counter. There's no refrigerator. There's no stove. Nothing. 
There is a grill outside. There is a fire pit outside. And your, uh, all of your food has to be, you have to bring coolers and keep ice. And if you need ice for the, you know, overnight, which I am figured out at the last day, why am I buying ice for overnight? It's 20 degrees outside. I'm just going to wheel the cooler out onto the deck and like, I'm going to put the cooler outside the door. I'm not worried about my neighbors stealing my baloney. Um, but we just had, you have to bring your own coolers. You have to keep your own ice on it. You need to have firewood or some sort of cooking device. If there is a uh, fire cooking, because you know, we're, we're in the desert, there could be burn bans. And a lot of the other parks in other parts of the state actually had burn bans. We were fortunate that that area in that park did not have a burn ban because we'd have been screwed. I have no clue what we would have done for food if we couldn't use fire. <laughs> but we packed up, uh, we brought firewood and charcoal for the, the grill and my cast iron pans. And every single meal we had for three days had to be cooked with those fires. I had to get up first thing in the morning. It's like seven o'clock in the morning. I'm getting up with the sun. And the very first thing I have to do is go out to the grill and start the fire to boil water for coffee and get the grill going because we were, I made, um, we got a little jar. I don't know if you've seen the kind of add water shake, shaky jar of pancake mix. And, you know, just add water. And oh yeah, there, we did bring our own water. We bought, we had like five gallons of clean water that we brought for cooking um, and drinking and all that. But there was also water spigots on site that we would use for like washing dishes and stuff like that. But we got a little dish tub and little soap for the for camp soap. And we, we did everything. We got all this shit. And we're probably going to get more shit for our next trip. But, you know, every morning I have to get up and start cooking and I you know, I was making pancakes and sausage. Uh, I cooked burgers on the grill. We did hot dogs over the fire pit. You know, have to, you know, every afternoon or evening, you know, fire, get the fire pit going so that we have heat. You know, I'm cooking dinner either on the fire through the fire pit because, you know, we did hot dogs in the fire. We did s'mores over the fire. Uh, you know, it, it was so fun. But man, I spent. The better part of three days is camp cook, basically, because, you know, when you're when you're camp cook, you got to get up first because you got to get the fires going because you need coffee. You need breakfast. You know, it's like, oh, we had we had oatmeal one morning. Well, for oatmeal, I have to have fire because I need hot water. So I've got to go. We got a, you know, a, a, not a percolator, just like a, a camp uh, kettle. I guess. And just a ceramic, you know, those blue ceramic kettles, you know, and just go and boil. I just had to boil a couple of kettles of water and, you know, get that going. Just so it's like, okay, well, we need, you know, instant coffee and I need hot water for oatmeal or I need, you know, I have my, my flat top cast iron, uh, griddle and I threw that on the grill to make pancakes and sausage. And I, Camp breakfast was been, it was so fun. It was just probably one of the best parts of that trip. Seriously, as much as 
holy crap, it's a lot of work for me. That was like, you know, making burgers and the sheer joy and of everybody just enjoying their food and sitting down with their little plastic plate and, you know, their, their camp utensils sitting there on their bench or in their little folding chair with their, you know, with their chocolate milk or whatever we had for them that morning, you know, and that was like everybody, everybody loved it. Nobody complained about anything. Everybody had a blast and it just made every, it, it just brought every, you know, no, even if we, we get to a point, we shut off our phones because we were so far away from civilization. We had no service. We really were in a situation where in case of emergency, we have to go up to the ranger station or the ranger's house, which is on site, like right up the hill from us. Like if there's an emergency, our phones don't do shit. We have to run our ass up to the ranger station. That was, that was the situation we were in. That's how far we were away. So our phones were off for three days. and. You know, we didn't even like time was told by my watch because phones were off. We didn't really know what time it was other than looking at my watch. Zit. Kind of crazy. You know, it's like, hey, what time is it? I don't know, but the sun's coming down. We need to get dinner started. <laughs> so that was, that was just, it was the craziest thing. You know, start the fire going for dinner by the time everything's ready and hot and everyone's eating. And like, we could have been sitting there eating dinner and it's like the night we got there, first thing I had to do, we got everything unloaded. Everybody's still unloading the van, get everyone, get things set up in the cabin. I'm already starting fire for dinner because we need to eat because we got there at like 530 and like the sun's going to be down in like an hour. We need fire now. <laughs> so I had to get the fires going to have dinner. And, you know, it, again, it was just. Like you go from cook one meal, clean up from that meal, prep for the next meal. That was my three days, you know, and we did some swimming. We did some hiking, you know, I was the only, you know, we were, the boys were playing in the lake. I'm the only one who, because holy fuck, I told you it was cold. It was damn cold. The highs were still only in maybe the low fifties. That lake was still in the forties and thirties. It was freezing and the boys were having fun. They were playing maybe knee high. I was crazy and stupid and walked and went all the way out and swam out there as far as I could go, as far as I could stand in the cold, freezing water. And I was like, all right, nope, I'm far enough out and swam back and was just freezing my ass off. (laughs) I was so cold. Uh, But it was fun. It was fun. And literally the first thing we did when we got back home was book our cabin for spring break. <laughs> we did. So in, in March, we're going and we've got a cabin already booked for Patagonia, which is in Southern Arizona, which we opted for because realizing that if in the fall, Lyman is that cold, that is actually the warm season for them, at least that we could go. In the springtime coming out of the winter, that would actually possibly have snow and it could actually be in the like sub freezing up there. So we're like, let's go somewhere warmer. So we picked Patagonia, which is in Southern Arizona and another lake, another cabin, slightly bigger cabin. Um, I think this one actually has a mini fridge in it, but 
the weather's going to be practically the same because it's coming off of the winter. So we're still going to be dealing with like 30 something degrees at night. <laughs> so it's going to be the same environment, but we've already decided we want to do this. We want to make this our regular thing. So, you know, going out to these cabins and just, you know, spending a few days out on the lake and, and kind of our, our version of camping. It's, it is officially in one visit become a, a future plan for us. So it's been super exciting. And so I'm like, I'm the, just talking about it now. I'm like, I'm getting back there. I'm like, I'm super excited for March and getting to go do this again because it, it was such a blast. Whew. See, that's October. We're only in October. The other thing that happened at the end of October, because that was, that was like mid-October when that happened. Well, I don't know if you remember, but I had a deal with my wife that actually revolved around our vacation because part of our trip back to Texas was supposed to be the possibility of bringing my brother-in-law's dog with us because it, you could say he's just, their, their dog is a little too much for them. And because we were in the, you say we were in the market for another dog after Emmett and it's been a year. And so we were like, you know, we really are at a point where we want to get another dog. My wife had been asking me for a puppy for ever. And so I told her after vacation, because there was like, it could have gone either way. We could have gotten that dog or not. And so like, if we don't bring their dog with us, if we don't bring this dog back with us after vacation, we can get another dog. I will let you get a, we'll, we'll find a puppy. Well, vacation got pushed back. The vacation got pushed back. And then we didn't go on vacation. We just went on a you know, weekend to the lake. And then it's like, well, I technically owe my wife a dog. So she starts cruising through the, you know, Craigslist and I think next door and and kind of the ads and people, you know, with with dogs that need homes. And we ended up finding Mystic. And she is a husky. And we think she might have some coyote in her, but for the most part, she's a husky. And yeah, I've never had a husky before. <laughs> I, I knew very little about them other than seeing like videos and stuff on Instagram. And of course, when you take pictures of your dogs and post them on Instagram with appropriate hashtags, then your Instagram fills up with videos of other huskies. But yeah, we ended up with a husky who, um, well, because when I had to go, you know, make the exchange and go pick her up from her previous owner, uh, I'm the one who picked her up. So she, let's just say she imprinted on me. And so <laughs> unfortunately, whereas my wife wanted me to get her a dog, it seems we ended up getting me a dog <laughs> to the point where she is currently laying underneath me. Because if I'm home, she is my shadow. <laughs> and if I'm not home, she's crying about it. Really, like a lot. And I've pretty sure I've posted videos on Instagram of her and her behavior. And like when I'm trying to go to work and she won't let me tie my boots and she'll just lay around the house 
howling at you, like so distraught. You know, you know, if I'm behind a closed door in the house, she starts crying and howling at me. And like to the point where if I'm giving uh, Sam and helping him with his shower, you know, I close the door because, you know, privacy and all that. She sits outside the bathroom door howling at me. The only time she doesn't is if I'm in the bathroom doing my personal bathroom business, but she's sitting outside the bathroom door. She's just not howling at me. But my wife has sent me so many videos of her, you know, and she's, she's a dork. She's a husky. That, that's what I've, I've come together. And so, you know, as she is very much, you know, bonded to me, she doesn't listen to hardly anybody else. <laughs> but I've also had to start taking her to obedience classes, just kind of give her the basics, you know, sit, stay, uh, you know, lay down off, you know, she, you know, she's really hyper. So she likes to jump up on people, you know, just cause she's really friendly. She, you know, and if you want to see, there is a, a very silly picture of her. Again, I've, I've posted some pictures of her on my Instagram, of course, at odd out, but also in the show notes at odd out. Yeah, oddoutpodcast.com. I don't even know what number, what I'm telling you. Oddoutpodcast.com. Uh, check out the show notes. Links are in the show notes in your podcast player and all that stuff too. But there's a picture of her being silly, sitting there, husky face. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've been having to take her to obedience class the last few weeks. And for all of her crazy, we thought, oh, she's, she's such a mess. It's going to be, it's like so crazy. I don't know how she's going to get through this. She's like the star in the fucking class. Every time I tell her to do something, you know, I tell her to sit, she sits. You know, I tell her to lay down, she lays down. I tell her to follow me, you know, with her eyes and, you know, focus on me. She does it. She's easily the like walking in, you know, we're practicing walking appropriately. She's great. She does everything she's told to do in class. Now, when we get home, she doesn't want to listen to anybody but me. So it basically comes down to, it's not that she can't do the stuff. She's just a brat. Yes, I'm telling you, you're a brat. I told you, she's right underneath me. She can hear me talking about her. But, you know, (laughs) it's funny because, you know, on account of the dog that was supposed to be for my wife, even though Jasper is totally her baby, even like when we first got Jasper, rewinding, when you first got Jasper, he completely attached to me. So what they do, they all attach to me. I was dad. I'm the alpha. I'm in charge, whatever. He would listen to me. I would ignore him on purpose. I would ignore him because my wife really was upset by this. So I would ignore him to get him to listen to her to get like she would be calling him. She would be talking to him. She would be, you know, laying him in with the affection. And so I would like, I would ignore him to get him to pay attention to her attention. Now I'm kind of in the same boat. Now Emmett, or Emmett, who Jasper is her baby. He, you know, he gets up, he crawls up and, and lays down with her and, and does everything. He is her baby. But our new puppy, I mean, she's like four, I guess, according to the record, she's four, um, is mine. And we're like, I don't think she would handle me rejecting her and ignoring her nearly as well as Jasper did. So I'm pretty sure it'd just break her heart if I were to do to her what I did to Jasper to get her to listen to mom. But 
I have a husky now. <laughs> She's a big goofball. But, you know, I, I've never had a, a husky before. I've never dealt with it. So, yeah, that's going to be interesting. You know, life with husky. She's already like blown, like destroyed our robot vacuum. She just can't like the destiny, our, our shark vacuum can't keep up with husky hair. I didn't realize this more learning about husky life, but it's, it's going to be interesting. Uh, and of course, like I said, that's, there's not everything going on. There's so much else going on. And I got so much like I did with, with the thumb story vacation took up a lot of, of time this week, but I do want to jump and give you the jumping. I realize I'm jumping and I'm all over the place right now. And I haven't had any bumpers or I haven't thrown anything in there to break stuff up. And you just don't know, man. But I do want to get to our, my podcast feature and my recommended listening section and give you an update on some changes that are going to actually happen in this segment. So I know I said I didn't have any bumpers, but it's time for recommended listening. Recommended listening. <laughs> A friendly desert community where the sun is hot, the moon is beautiful, and mysterious lights pass overhead while we all pretend to sleep. Welcome to Night Vale. listeners. To start things off, I've been asked to read this brief notice. The City Council announces the opening of a new dog park at the corner of Earl and Somerset near the Ralphs. They would like to remind everyone that dogs are not allowed in the dog park. People are not allowed in the dog park. It is possible you will see hooded figures in the dog park. Do not approach them. Do not approach the dog park. The fence is electrified and highly dangerous. Try not to look at the dog park, and especially do not look for any period of time at the hooded figures. The dog park will not harm you. And now the news. And I think my my review that I did basically sums it up the title, you know, the show that makes you say, okay, so I guess that's a thing <laughs> because the, Night Vale does that a lot. The, the creativity and the way they do it and the, the originality of, of things that exist in Night Vale, you just kind of accept, well, I guess this is a thing now. <laughs> A, you know, a, a literal five-headed dragon running for mayor against a faceless old woman who secretly lives in all of your homes. Um, there, there aren't a lot of, it, it's very difficult to describe Night Vale. It is. Um, even the description is very, there's nothing in their description that can explain Night Vale to you. You have to listen to it. Even the official description from the website and 
the Apple store and all of the things really doesn't help you. Welcome to Night Vale is a twice-monthly podcast in the style of community updates for the small desert town of Night Vale, featuring local weather, air quotes, okay, not uh, literal quotes because it's typed, news, announcements from the Sheriff's Secret Police, mysterious lights in the night sky, dark hooded figures with unknowable powers, and cultural events. That is the best and worst way to possibly describe Welcome to Night Vale. All of those things in that description are 100% completely accurate while also telling you absolutely nothing. <laughs> and yeah, that's that, that's kind of the, the problem. <laughs> and the even that opening line that I that I played, you know, that is the very first opening line from the first episode of Night Vale and I like to play that because it gives you the tone. It gives you a vibe for the show. It tells you next to nothing. But it it gives you a vibe for how the show feels because the music really is important. And the music by Disparition really really important to the grand scheme of Night Vale because without his music to set the the energy it's really difficult to get to like Night Vale without Disparition's music would not work, really. But as I'm getting into, you know, talking about the the pros and cons, I'm going to jump over into kind of the points I made in my full review that I wrote and released at the beginning of December and completely forgot to tell you about. But the first official, formal, written, odd dead out review on the website at odddadoutpodcast.com now, forgive me if you go and read this. It is a bit, you know, wordy and it's kind of rambly because, you know, me. Um, positives. You know, um, in the early seasons, the the story arc, it, it's, it really sucks you in. It's great. The, the, the over, because it plays out with individual episodes are kind of their own thing, but there is kind of a, a, a season-wide story arc that kind of gets interwoven in the background of stuff going on, you know, today might be Valentine's Day, or it might be Trash Day, or it might be, you know, I don't even, uh, you know, it's it's open house at the community college, whatever it is, and all of that main focus of the story, whatever. But stuff going on in the background of that is, and now let's check the news. And in the news, it's talking about the mayoral elections. Or something like that. Or a new dog appeared in town today. And next thing you know, that dog kind of appears in every episode. What's up with that dog? Hey, that dog is here in the studio. How weird. And stuff like that. And the difference, you know, the the way the, the season story arc is woven in the background of the rest of the episodes is really very well done. And... I mean, the biggest thing besides the music that I, that I mentioned with Disparision is just the development of the characters over what's now eight years. It's kind of crazy. There's so many characters that are so that there's been a ton of character development and growth and change over the years where uh, you can look at the uh, narrator Cecil from the beginning and 
you just kind of think he's just generic radio guy to when he gets deeper and as the story progresses and you're learning more about him and his personal life and his history and maybe his biases and how he tells the news and things like that and his relationship with his brother-in-law his relationship with you know with the different people in town and when things different thing i'm trying not to spoil anything in different his relationships with different people and how things happen and how things transpire or the arc of uh hiram mcdaniels the literal five-headed dragon who was introduced in like the second episode wanted for insurance fraud <laughs> wanted by the rewind that hiram mcdaniels a literal five-headed dragon wanted for insurance fraud He's wanted for insurance fraud because he basically stole the identification of another person, supposedly because he hasn't been convicted. But um, <laughs> thanks, Mark Chen, I believe, is uh, <laughs> they did they did a great callback to it. They did. There's sometimes they'll do these kind of one-off episodes that break with the normal uh, episode format, and they did a episode that was a true crime podcast talking about the murder of Frank Chen, Frank Chen, um, which, you know, call back all the way back to the beginning. And we're now Frank Chen's family have arrived in Nightvale and are looking for him. And he's been, he disappeared like eight years ago. And you know, there's a whole big thing. And it's, 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 it's for them to bring that back up so many years later is just hilarious. But the story arc with Hiram and, starting off with just this dragon to the mayoral race into Hiram is wanted for murder, I think, or attempted murder and all of this whole big thing. And, you know, the, the trial of Hiram McDaniels. And that was a kind of a whole other thing or intern Dana, eventually becoming mayor Dana, eventually former mayor Dana and everything with, uh, desert bluffs, and there's there's so there's so many different the the development of the entire world and community, and it's so complex and everything, and it, it it's amazing what they do and all these like the everything that's <laughs> really it is there's so much they have put into this world and the depth of the characters that they've built over eight years. That even though they intentionally keep certain details vague, specifically like Cecil's appearance, um, they've never actually described Cecil other than maybe a particular outfit he's wearing. They don't. And, and that is with intention. They, they've always said that they don't, they don't establish what Cecil looks like. It's all for you to come up with in your head. But, you know, I, I just like, there's too many characters for me to get into and I, I do get into it a bit more in the, the written review. I'm trying not to get too far off because there's a lot of points to hit. Um, but just that, that growth of character and the world building and the, you know, the rules of the world that they live in, you know, how, how you exist in Night Vale. There's so many things that you have to kind of get into and there's so you have to really immerse yourself in this and you do when you're listening to the show 
And then so things like running gags and little the, the dark humor of it, because as dark and gritty of a show as it is, and it can get very graphic. I mean, it can get some of the stuff is very gory and very like if you have a problem with spiders or mostly spiders, there's some creepy shit. Sometimes there's like I would not. It, it is a show that I would say warrants a trigger warning. But at the same time, if you're the type of person who needs a trigger warning for something, you shouldn't be listening to Welcome to Night Vale. You just shouldn't. The entire show is one giant trigger for so many things. So, yeah. Saying that, excuse me, ah, hiccups. Uh, but it's it, very dark humor, but still humor. And when things get too serious, they'll like flip, you know, because it's done in a radio show thing. So they'll have the really deep, dark story. And now the weather. And now, uh, uh, community radio or uh, the community calendar. And and now. The weather report, or I, guess, I don't know, I always go because every episode has the weather. The weather is actually a musical segment, and basically it creates a time jump of some type within the story. Sometimes it's the length of the song. Sometimes it's multiple weeks. <laughs> it's been 17 days. Man, that's a long song. Uh, stuff like that. And there's always these kind of gags, but it's, basically you have the weather and then you have the resolution of the story. And personally, the weather is always very hit or miss. You can have some great weather segments and then you have some not so great weather segments and there's kind of debate in the fandom over do you just skip the weather because it's not important. Sometimes it's important, but for me, I look at it from, I will give the songs the opportunity. I'll give them a chance, but sometimes I'm just like, yeah, fuck it. I don't want to listen to this. I don't like this song. And that's perfectly fine. On the more negative side of things, uh, the, the, I'll, I'll just say it. In eight years, it's starting to, uh, the, the holes and the cracks in Night Vale are starting to show. Um, first of all, I should just say the, the big thing with Night Vale and kind of a big, and it's a big con as a new person trying to get into an eight year old show at year eight. You can't. This is a show where you have to go back to the beginning. And they, they kind of crafted, um, I think it was around season five or six, a kind of a soft reboot. It was like, oh, you can jump in from here. You really can't because you really need to go back to episode one and start again and listen from the beginning just so you know who the hell everybody is. Because like I said, there's so, there's so much character development and so much built from those early, especially in the first season, establishes so much that in order to understand who the people are at play, you might be able to jump into the story and like, but you need to know who they are. It's like, oh yeah, this is a, a standalone story and it's fine, but you don't know who any of these people are to give a shit. So you have to have that. You have to go back to the start. And I already mentioned the, the weather segments being very hit or miss. You know, sometimes you got some great music that comes up in the weather. Sometimes you, you're like, click, uh, fast forward, fast forward, fast forward, get out of this, get out of this. I'm, uh, garbage. Some they just suck. Um, and you know, I'm going to say this and it's a, it's a, a probably a common complaint I'm going to have with a lot of bigger shows. There's too damn many ads. 
I really like, and I, and I say this, and I'm, I'm fully aware that it's kind of a shitty complaint because it's how they make their money. Realistically, for a night bill, it's not how they make their money. They make their money on tour um, because they tour the show and do live shows and sell lots of shit and merch up the ass and all this stuff. And they run Patreon and they do all it's like these guys have become very wealthy. I wouldn't say they're rich, but they've become very famous and they've made a very good living off of this show. And they have very long ads and they're very wordy and they don't vibe. And there's a very big difference. And it's a nitpick I have, you know, as a podcaster, as a creator, as a, as a person who edits podcasts, ads need to fit in and have a certain flow and they have to not stick out like a sore thumb, <laughs> me and sore thumbs. Um, the ads in Night Vale are basically just, here's ads. Welcome to Night Vale. Here's ads. Ads. Buy this. Thing. And now the story. And it, it's, they're very abrupt. And I, I appreciate that they front load them all. And then they stick up, like, it's all at the very beginning and it's all at the very end. And realistically, once the end music starts playing, everybody shuts it off. Nobody listens to fucking Meg. Nobody listens. And who cares what today's proverb is, Meg? Because especially now that they've, what they've started doing, and again, it's going to the ads thing. The music starts, then they do another, the, the, uh, the, the ending ads, and then they do the credits and the, the, the today's proverb. Like, it's, 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 it's slimy to me. And I realize again, this is how they make their money. Your ads can be done better. And again, this is a, a complaint I have with a lot of, of bigger shows is the way they do their ads is distracting. It, it's like, if you feel compelled to, to skip the ads, if you notice the ads, they're doing it badly. Um, anyway, <laughs> sorry, I went on way too much about ads and I, I, I it sounds slimy that I'm saying it that way, but it's, it's a thing. Um, kind of back to going next point back to something I mentioned before. The cracks are showing. That's really it. Um, my my view on Welcome to Night Vale is not nearly as glowing as it was back in episode 66 when I reviewed it the first time. And it is still one of my favorite shows, hands down. But after eight years, the later seasons really started to fall apart. Um, it was right around season five that I started really seeing the meh of the story. And they started making some like changes in the way they were telling the stories and they were, they were doing some different stuff uh, creatively and with storytelling format and doing kind of these multiple mini story arcs. So you'll have like a five part story and then another like three or four part story and stuff like that. And there was a lot of focus on smaller characters that they'd been introduced, but they've never been major players. And the problem with that is you don't give a shit about them. They basically in this, the point of like, Oh, we're going to do like a five episode arc talking about, um, coach. I'm not going to try and pronounce his name. And, and once you, you see it, you're like, Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm not going to fuck up his name. Um, 
And like, but you, you don't have as deep of an emotional investment with a lot of these characters. And, and it, it makes it harder to care. You don't care about what's going on with them. And so it's a harder time to kind of really, you, know, you don't care. And I realize I keep saying it. It's like, yeah, you might, you know, it's like, oh, it's a good, it's a well-told story, but you don't feel the attachment that you do when it's Hiram or Cecil or Steve Carlsberg or Dana or Tamika Flynn or even city council or uh, station management. You, you don't have that commitment, you know, that you do to those other characters or Koshak, the cat in the men's room. You don't have that as much of a, uh, an emotion, emotional attachment to them. And again, the, I really feel, and it, and it sounds shitty to say later on in the series, the writers broke off. I wouldn't say they broke off. They were still doing this, but they started writing other shows as well. They, that's when they started doing Alice Isn't Dead. That's when they started doing Within the Wires separately. So now they're writing for multiple shows at a time. Now they're writing for several different shows at the same time. And you really kind of feel in the general, at least I do, I see in the, the show in the later seasons when their attention was divided that the writing for Night Vale started to suffer. And it sounds shitty. But that, that, and that, this is my, my opinion, but I feel that the writing for Night Vale started falling off at the point where they started expanding the Night Vale network into multiple shows and doing more stuff. And as the business of Night Vale and making the most money they could in the Night Vale universe crept in more, the writing for Night Vale got weaker and the main storylines got for each season got to be less cohesive and it's it, it's sick it's, it's really sad for me just because like i i really do love the show but there are you know there there are much more glaring errors and, and issues in it now that i didn't see back then so it's you know i feel i feel bad for for criticizing a show that i enjoy so much and I do. I still love the show. And incidentally, I gave it three and a half stars. And I give it three and a half stars mostly because of kind of the, 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 sh- the shortcomings now. And the, you know, yes, I realize it's like, yes, is it a great show? A hundred percent. It is still an amazing show. And I a hundred percent would recommend it. Anybody really. If you have even the slightest inkling of a twisted sense of humor and you appreciate dark humor and sort of a Lovecraftian sort of vibe. And it's, it's kind of got a Lovecraftian sort of vibe and inspiration, but not overtly Lovecraft. But if you, if you appreciate that and just general kind of creepy sci-fi supernaturally, what the fuck is this going on? Audio drama type stuff. A hundred percent. You should listen to welcome to night Vale. If you're somebody who needs a trigger warning for kind of anything, you probably shouldn't because there's going to be something in like everything. Like there's going to be something in every episode of Night Vale that's going to trigger somebody if you have like any kind of an anxiety. But in none of the cons 
I'm going to say this. None of my problems with Night Vale are anything that would keep me from listening to it. It's really it. The only thing that I would say that's a con that is that would stop me from listening to it or not recommend it is the fact that you do have to commit to go all the way back to the beginning and listen to everything. It is really a necessity for this show. But that's also a necessity for most audio drama. It really is. So aside from that, and if you're listening to audio drama, you're probably going back. It's just kind of the nature of the medium. So that's the only thing I would say. Other than that, all of my negatives for the show, nothing is something that would say you shouldn't listen to it. That's that's it. It's just me kind of nitpicking for the sake of there are some some faults. There are some cracks showing with age. Okay, doesn't change that it's a great show. That's really it. Again, three and a half stars out of five. Um, again, I probably would have given it the other, I probably would have made, if I was doing stars before, four, and a, four to four and a half before. Again, it's just the shortcomings and the, the falling apart for me personally in the last few years. And I realize I'm justifying my, my rating after going on this long, but that is what it is. And again, this is me trying to go through, you know, my, my written review as I wrote it, it and, and not read the whole thing. But again, the full review is, uh, going to be, uh, in the show notes. Uh, it's linked in the show notes. It's on the website at oddadoutpodcast.com. Of course, go to welcometonightvale.com because you still should be listening to Welcome to Night Vale. If you've got a sense of humor and you can put up with my ass, you could probably listen to Welcome to Night Vale and you should. You really should. It's it's a fun show. It really is. It's great. Don't don't take my my three and a half stars and my my nitpicks about shit to mean you shouldn't listen to it. And I realize I've been saying this a few times now, but go listen to it. Now before I wrap up the show, I do want to give kind of an update on how this segment is going to change because I kind of did this now in much more of a, in the Vime, Vime? What the fuck is a Vime? In the, in the, the style of the previous recommended listening segments. As I am now going to be writing, I'm trying to do my damnedest to do a weekly podcast review for the website. So what I'm going to do going forward, and I'm so sorry before I say this, I'm so sorry the show's been so long today. I'm just, ah, every two weeks I'm talking more when I'm talking. Sorry. But going forward, what I want to do is kind of turn the end of the show into a what I'm listening. So I'm going to be trying to check out some new podcasts and I'm going to be checking out the recommendation from Tori, which was me and Paranormal You. And like I said, it's, it's I'm going to listen to that a little bit more. Uh, I already, I, but kind of my rundown, the way I described that podcast earlier, that's kind of what I'm going to do is going to, hey, I'm listening to this. It's like kind of a, an update on what am I checking out? Then maybe you'd be interested. And I absolutely want your recommendations of new stuff for me to check out um, because I need to check out some new podcasts. And I need some new stuff to review. I've got my old stuff that I'm going to go back and write reviews for and talk about again. But I want new stuff to listen to and new stuff to review and new stuff to to expand my listening. So I'm going to be giving a kind of a, a Bandrew Scott, a what am I listening to? 
and I will give you a quick rundown summary of my written review for my most recent uh, podcast reviews. And I will let you know if I know at the time what I've got coming up for review, which I'm going to do now. Coming up this week, later this week, possibly may even be live on the website by the time this episode drops. I will be talking about or giving my my review of the Box of Oddities podcast, which is a another weirdo. It's another weird one. Um, <laughs> not I, and I mean that in the the best possible way. But it's another one of those kind of weird sort of paranormally type shows where a married couple, Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth, they, as they put it, bring their irreverent, I've been talking for too long, Uh, let's start again, Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth bring their irreverent brand of humor and unique chemistry to an exploration of the strange, the bizarre, and the unexpected. Basically, uh, in, in a nutshell, married couple talks about weird shit. Yeah, in in much less pretty language that they used. Weird couple, funny couple, talks about weird shit. It's a fun show. It was recommended by Allie in the Oddballs Facebook group, and it has very easily, quickly become one of my go-tos. So look for my full review of The Box of Oddities coming up by the end of the week. I'm not giving you a definitive thing, and you might be listening to this on Saturday, and it's already live on the website. Who knows? But I will have a link for it in the show notes when it goes live. And of course, you should be checking out odddeadoutpodcast.com all the time to get your updates on reviews and follow me on the social medias, on the Facebook and the Twitter and the Instagrams. And I'm going to try and do more about all the stuff and and doing more and more writing and more stuff and more recording and more. ah! But I'm going to do more. That is my promise. That is my commitment. Um is that I want to do more. But I've already talked your damn head off. I'm, I don't know if the episodes are going to stay this long. If or because of all of the spending more time between shows, if I'm just going to talk more, I don't know. I'm sorry if I do or not, because then it fills more time. I don't know. But I got to get out of here because it's late and you've been listening to me for over an hour. And what the fuck is wrong with you? You psychopath. Again, do you want to leave me a voicemail or a text message with a podcast recommendation or feedback or whatever the fuck you feel like just saying, hey, 516-636-7631. That's 516-ODOPOD1. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at odddadout, odddadoutpodcast.com, show at odddadoutpodcast.com. There's a Facebook group, Oddballs Facebook group. Ah, so much. I got to trim down all the stuff. But until next time, good night, oddballs. Good night.